This is Andy Matfield from Three Guys Talking, and you're listening to the 4D Podcast Network. Minnesota Twins baseball. It's always fun watching a club that's, you know, still in contention. I know that that weekend series against the Indians wasn't exactly the the best thing for, you know, standings and numbers, but, you know, the Twins, you know, follow back up and get a win on Tuesday evening against the White Sox, and hey, we're still in the swing of things, and this is a lot better than it's been, you know, the last, you know, four or five years talking about Twins baseball. So with that, we love you guys joining us, and we're going to keep it going for, you know, another episode of Talking Twins. As always, remember, it's myself, Bradley Swanson, and my great co-host, Daryl Yates. And you can find us at www.talkingtwinsbaseball.com. You can also check us out on Facebook, and that's facebook.com slash talkingtwins. Or you can check us out on Twitter. The handle is at talkingtwins. You know, whatever way you want to utilize social media or check us out on the website. Remember, the podcast can also always be found on iTunes and Google Play. So for your mobile device users... You know, definitely a great way to be, you know, maybe at work, maybe on the car ride home, whatever you want to do. Great way to listen to the podcast as well through iTunes and Google Play. So with that, uh, we're going to get into this this week's show. We've got our uh, Down on the Farm minor league stars that we'll give you guys, as we always do each and every episode. We'll come back after uh, the DOTF minor league stars, and we'll talk to you guys in the dugout. We're going to recap the Twins, uh, Minnesota Twins 2017 Major League Draft. We'll sit down and talk about some of the highlights in that draft and what that kind of means for the uh, for the Twins fans in the upcoming future. We'll also talk about Miguel Sano and Minnesota Twins All-Star aspirations for 2017. We're going to talk about some injury updates and uh, you know a couple other topics as well that we'll sneak in there real quick in the dugout. So with that, I welcome Daryl Lynn, and we, we start with our Down on the Farm segment this week, and that always means our minor league stars, Daryl, from the four levels of the Minnesota Twins minor league organization, because, of course, they're not playing baseball in Elizabethton quite yet. So uh, we start with Cedar Rapids, and I'm going to turn it over to you first, Daryl, to give us our first star of the week for the show this week. Obviously, I always love, you know, you being on the show and have you, you know, joining, you know, me and all of our fans on here in Talking Twins land. So who do you have to kick off the show for a Cedar Rapids Colonel star of the, of the, of the week? Well, thanks, Brad, and I can't wait for uh, two weeks because then we will be talking about, you know, our GSL or E-Town. Uh, we'll be talking about our draft picks and uh, where they are and how they're doing. But uh, to get things rolling today uh, for Cedar Rapids, you know, tra- I, I have Travis Blackenhorn, uh, DH slash third base slash whatever they need, really, out of Travis. Uh, you know, the 20-year-old, he's currently ranked uh, by MLB as the Twins' seventh-ranked prospect. In the last ten games, he's been on fire again. He started the year off on fire that first month, then he hit a little lull, uh, but now he's on fire again, and over the last ten games, he's in 390, with a pair of homers, a double, a couple triples, seven ribby, and uh, eight runs scored. Uh, on the year, 259 average, again, because he hit that mid-lull there, uh, but eight, eight home runs. 12 doubles, uh, 3 triples, 40 RBI, and 39 runs scored. So pretty solid. He continues on what he's doing right now and what he did early on. 
he's going to be in Fort Myers, I think, by uh, July or August. And also a guy that was named uh, as one of seven colonels to the uh, Midwest League All-Star team here in 2017. So, yeah, definitely a guy that's that's been doing some damage in Cedar Rapids, and he's you know, earned a spot in, in the All-Star game. And, of course, you know, by the way, the Colonels also did clinch a playoff spot for 2017 with their first-half wild card, uh, you know, ranking. So the Colonels will be playing in the 2017 Midwest League playoffs. And my guy down there is a guy who's gotten hot as of late, and it's a guy that the, I know the Twins organization is really starting, you know, to like to see this kid get hot, and that's Ben Wartbet, the catcher down there. And, you know, a kid that you spend a number two pick on, a second-round draft pick. That's right. You want to see this kid start getting hot. Well, over the last ten weeks, 324 average, 11 for 34. Been hitting the ball all over the place. Two doubles, a homer, eight RBI, six runs scored. Been playing some solid defense behind the plate. You know, the Twins have been waiting for this. He started slow in Cedar Rapids this year. But, you know, like I said, in the last ten games, boy, the, the offensive production from Rortman has really picked up. And I know that's got to excite the Twins brass because they're going, okay, that, that second-round pick is starting to look like maybe it's, you know, it, it wasn't a, you know, a bad move. It looks like maybe this is going to be a guy that could be a, you know, a catcher of the future with, with some, you know, some offensive prowess in the bat along with the ability to be a, a defender behind the plate. So Ben Rorvet, my guy of the week down there. So, again, as we close out Cedar Rapids, Travis Blankenhorn and Ben Rorvet. So as we move down to high A, man. One of the hardest weeks that I think, and Daryl's going to agree with me, that we oh ever my had, goodness that we ever had to find, you know, and, and I almost, almost had to find a spot starter. I know, in here, Brad. and I actually did have to, in, in a sense. I mean, I don't want to say a spot starter, but I'll, I'll give that away in a moment. But one of the weeks that we talked about this, to, you know, back and forth, that it was one of the hardest weeks from a level of the organization to to put one star of the week together let alone the fact that we always try to put two to give you guys some depth in the organization. I had to go with Lachlan Wells, and, you know, Daryl took, took the offensive side of it, and, and that's, you know, it's funny. He took the one offensive bat, and there hasn't been a lot of offense down there. So, <laughs> no, there hasn't. So he, he, he grabbed the one guy, you know, to his credit, that's, that's had some offensive prowess. I took Lachlan Wells. Now, Lachlan's only had one start in his last 12 or 13 days. But in that one start, he did go one and zero, six and two, uh, six and two thirds innings pitched, and only gave up one earned run, so equating to a one three five ERA. Did only allow five hits and struck six out while walking nobody. So you know, trying to find a, a real slim silver, you know, lining in a cloud that's pretty dark. Um, that's what I was able to find. But I'll flip it over to Daryl, who's also got somebody down there who's been somewhat of an offensive star. And again, looking at what's been happening. At Fort Myers, you know, it's... it's And really, it's because of injury. Uh, You've got a couple of stars injured, and, you know, okay, that happens in baseball. Look at the big league club. You know, we've got injuries that have happened to the the big league pitching staff. But guys got to pick up, too. It's going to happen, so other people have to step up. In this case, Max Murphy, uh, the 24-year-old that was selected by the Twins in the ninth round back in 2014, has stepped up uh, and... He's actually hitting over the last 10 games, uh, 273. He does have a home run, three doubles, seven RBI, eight runs, and two stolen bases. Now, if you look at how many runs they've scored, he really has been the offense. Uh, it doesn't yeah. seem like a lot, but 273, but you take that any day. On the year, he's hitting uh, 281. He's got 15 doubles, three trips, 
four homers, 27 RBI, and 42 runs scores, and he plays solid, solid defense. Now, as we know, the offense is pretty packed in the uh, pipeline, but right now Max uh, Murphy is doing everything he can right now to show that he belongs in the system and belongs in double A. Yeah, I mean, they just right now it's down in Fort Myers. It's the, the offensive drought is huge, and unfortunately there hasn't been a lot of dominance from the from the, the pitching side of it either. So it, it really made it hard, but those are the two guys that we squeaked out for you as minor league stars this week, the outfielder Max Murphy and Lachlan Wells, the starting pitcher down there in, in Fort Myers for the Miracle. Now as we jump to double-A, that means we're, we're taking a little trip up northwest to Chattanooga, and couple of guys down there. Um, I know Daryl had a pitcher. I'm going to start off first with a guy from the offensive side of the plate and a guy that has been just laser red hot in the past 10 days, T.J. White. And T.J. White has been, I mean, when you say electric, how about a 436 batting average over the last 10 games? 17 for 39 with five doubles, two homers, 10 RBIs, and eight runs scored. I mean, if they could get two-thirds of this performance from T.J. White on a regular basis and not be his kind of up, down, up, down, you know, more mantra that he's had, man, I I think T.J. White would be pushing for a job in Rochester and you'd have more of the twins in the front office going, well, you know, you know, not that he'd be, you know, surplacing, you know, Miguel Sinone time soon, but that they'd be trying to... Probably not. No, but that they'd be trying to find a spot where T.J. White could get some at-bats. He's got to be more stable, though, because he'll show you 10 games like this, and then he'll show you 10 games where it's like, are they sending him back down to Fort Myers? And, you know, I mean, it is stars of the week. It is, you know, stars of the episode and of the the past 10 days. T.J. White's been, you know, on fire. I'd love to see him keep it up for a long-term performance, say, over the rest of the year in, in Chattanooga. Not 436, obviously, but, you know, keep up that solid offensive performance and at least you know, make the Twins put them up in AAA and find out, you know, make it or shake it. So, my Well, guy, you know, the great thing, Brad, is that you have T.J. White, and that is amazing because everyone, if you think of Chattanooga and offensive star, you're automatically going to think Nick Gordon because of everything he's done. So it's great that there's other players that are stepping up like T.J. White. Yeah, totally. I mean, you, you need other guys to, to kind of do that. I mean, because it, it can't be just a, a one guy showing. And you want to see these other guys develop, too. Like you said, you know, you expect Nick Gordon to develop. But you want to see these, these I don't want to say fringe guys, but these guys that are, you know, not the, you know, first or second round draft pick. You want to see these guys develop as well because sometimes your players aren't always the first or second rounders that, you know, develop. It is that 16th round guy that somehow, you know, gets to the Absolutely. organization, you know. So with that, let's, you know, I'm going to flip it over to you, though, Daryl. Talk about your guy from Chattanooga and who you've got for the star of the week. Well, and continuing to impress and continue to get stronger is Fernando Romero. Oh, yeah. Uh, He goes seven innings, giving up just a single run. He doesn't walk a batter, and he strikes out seven. Uh, Now, on the year, you you and I aren't big on wins because it's all about the offense and everything. But you look at it, he's six and five, uh, 3-2-7 ERA in 13 outings. He's got 70 strikeouts, which is 27, uh, based on balls. He's currently, uh, batters are currently hitting 241, which is a bit high compared to his uh, career average for his minors, which is 221. Now, that'll get lower as the season goes on, but he's looking stronger and stronger, Brad. 
Now, they're probably going to put him, you know, last year was his first year back having Tommy John, and they had a very, very strict inning count. And I'm sure, given that this is just his second year back, it's he's going to be put on an inning count. Uh, it won't be as bad, as few as last year, but it's not going to be as many as, let's say, uh, Gonzalez, for example. Correct. But he's looking like, Within another two starts, two or three starts, he could be in AAA. No. And he could end the season in AAA. I don't think, where I thought earlier, if I, if you had asked me last year, I would have said uh, Romero is in Rochester and in a big league uniform by September. But I don't think that because he got off a bit of a slow start. Even though he's dominating now, that fastball is hitting 98. His uh, hard slider, he's commanding that. And every start you see him, he seems to have more control, more confidence, and he's looking like the guy we saw last year. He's not a thrower, he's a pitcher. But I still don't think we see him until next year. I think it's a battle between him and Gonzalez next year, uh, vying for the number four or five slots, depending on what they do and everything else. But Romero, again, and he's been, I think, three times now this year, he's been my pitcher of the year. And deservedly so after another great start. No, I, and I, I agree with basically everything you said in terms of you know the the take there on Romero. I mean, it, it's been nice to see a, a second guy down there. I mean, obviously we love Gonzalez, but it is nice to see that there's another you know another arm down there that's that's kind of taking you know you know kind of taking flight in terms of of that. I mean, it, it is pretty it is pretty good to see that. Um, so with that, it again is Fernando Romero, the pitcher. And T.J. White, the third baseman, those are your stars for this week for Double uh, tri- uh, A, excuse me, for Chattanooga. And for our friends in Rochester, the Red Wings, Triple A, I'm going to start it off because Daryl's guy is going to get to end the segment because this guy is not just hot right now. I mean, I don't think the sun is this warm. But we'll first talk about my guy, and that's Matt Hag, the first baseman down there in, in uh, Rochester. And, and he's been no slouch himself over the past 10 games, hitting 364. That's a 12-for-33 clip with a couple of doubles, a homer, seven RBIs, six runs scored, and a stolen base to boot in there, which for a third ba- for a first baseman, you know, you always toss it in because those first basemen usually don't get to steal many many bags. So if they get one over 10 days, you got you got to make sure to, to give them that love and toss it in there. But you love to see it because Matt Haggs had kind of an up-and-down year. So it's good to see that over the past, you know, 10 games, you know, that above 360 mark, driving in some runs, scoring some runs himself. Now there's another guy down in uh, in Rochester that's been probably the, the hottest Red Wing hitter in, you know, recent memory. And and that's our guy that I'm going to turn over to Daryl for the final uh, star of the week this week and down on the farm. And, Brad, you mentioned it. You know, it's not all about the top first or second overall pick or first-round pick, or second-round pick, it's what they do in the latter rounds. And Zach Granite was taken in the 14th round, 2013. He was the Minnesota Twins batter hitter of the year last year. And he has been nothing short of spectacular. Uh, you know, over the month of June, he's been just amazing. Uh, over the last 10 games, he's hitting 349. Four doubles, a, a home run, which is, you know, that is amazing in itself because he's not a power hitter. Five ribbies, three stolen bases, six runs scored. He recently had a 17-game hitting streak over the weekend 
uh, snap during a doubleheader. Uh, but he did have that 17-game hitting streak. Uh, you know, on the year, Brad, 349, 16 stolen bases. Uh, if you recall, he had 56 last season, so he's well on a good pace there. 20 extra base hits, 16 RBI, 32 runs scored. Uh, he's got eight three-hit gains on the season so far. And he has yet to commit an error in the outfield. So with his elite speed... You know, he can pay any position. So really the question, you know, yep, Zach is the star of the week. It's when is he going to be in the major leagues? You know, the 24-year-old has nothing left to prove. Everybody was saying that about Brios and Buxton last year. Well, they, they've dominated uh, the competition in, in AAA and AA and all through the minors. They, have, they don't have anything left. Zach doesn't have anything to prove except just keep honing his craft, I suppose. So if you had to pick, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, but who's more on the hot seat? Because Zach is saying, okay, I'm ready. Hear me go. I'm, I'm ready to go. Let's go. And he's already on the 40-man roster, Rad. The way he's hitting, the way he's doing everything with his high baseball IQ, with the Twins having that really, I mean, lack of leadoff hitter, and that's what he would be, is it, Rosario that's on the hot seat? Is it Grossman, maybe, that they do something with? Is it Boston, perhaps? I don't think, but... If, if, it, was, if, it, was, if it was me, I'd say right now, and from some of the talk that I've, that I've seen in the last couple of days, it's that Rosario is, is the one that's kind of on the hot seat, and only and, and people said, well, yeah, but, you know, a couple games ago, you, had, you, know, you know, two, three... Yeah, that three home runs, yeah. Three home runs, and, you know, and he's got, you know... 15 triples last year, you know, two years ago, and this and that. The problem is it's, it's just that. It's, it's, it's inconsistency. It's you got the one night where he hits three homers, then the next night he makes two plays where you're scratching your head and you're going. It's, it's uh, Tom Kelly would, uh, you know, be flipping out yeah, and, 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 on some plays. And I think the Twins' leash there, I mean, Buxton's leash is as long as it can be because – he is so well, good. He's, he could win a gold glove. Right. He's so good defensively. They are going to give him all the time in the world to figure out the offensive side of the game. But with Kepler, I think they love everything Max can do, and Max is an unbelievable fielding outfielder. And they and they have seen enough glimpses of Max's offensive production that I think they know it's it, it's there. It's it's going to come along. It's you know, I mean the kid did hit, you know, double digits homers last year. I mean, I think they see that that that's there. I think really, if you're going to ask you, you know, I don't think Grossman's on a short leash, only because I think Grossman with Grossman, they really see Grossman in the long term being that fourth outfielder. I don't think they see Eddie Rosario being a fourth outfielder, and I don't think if they brought Zach Granite up, they'd see him being a fourth outfielder. I think they see Robbie Grossman, his best fit is just that because he's a fourth outfielder. He can DH once well, in a while. Well, someone's going to have to be. I mean, is it going to be Granite? And we can, we can talk more about this we in Twins chat. We will. But it's going to be either uh, it's Granite and Grossman split in time, uh, Granite and well, I, I uh, so Rosario. I mean, I we, we should talk, we'll talk more about this and, and, you know, who we think. Because I just, I don't, the, I, the I, other I, thing is that because we have, and we still have Polka down there, I mean, we have a plethora of outfielders is if Granite's ready and you want to bring him up and maybe they just hold on to him and wait until September and just let him 
you know, mature, like they did Max Kepler uh, a couple seasons ago, and they brought him up, you know, in September, kind of as an award. But if you're ready to win now, he seems like your guy that could be uh, great baseball IQ, great leadoff hitter, and solid defensive guy with a great arm. And two quick things there. I don't think this is going to be an issue of splitting time. I think when they decide when they when they decide to bring uh, Zach Granite up, I don't think it's going to be an issue of splitting time. They're going to be they're going to do it on on the basis that he's going to get a fair amount of playing time up here. I think Robbie Grossman has already been brought into this club knowing what his role is going to be, and it was ne- Robbie was never told when he was signed here that you're going to be a starting outfielder that you're going to get you know 120 games a year. I don't there was there was no magic to that. There was no blowing smoke under Robbie's you know. He, he knew what he was coming into here, and it's going to be a fourth outfield spot with some DH spots every so often, especially if it either either Rosario figures himself out or it's Zach Granite, which we will talk about later. But I think either way, I don't think there's a lot of split time there. I mean, I think either way, the Twins want this outfield to be Buxton, Kepler, and whoever else that, that left field spot's going to be. I think they want that to be pretty stable. I don't think they want that to be a... A platoon spot in left field. I, I think they'd rather find stability there, whether it's Eddie Rosario as a six bat or it's Zach Granite as a leadoff hitter. Because to me, if Zach Granite comes up, that's the ideal role he fills, and, and it slides. And we'll talk about that in Twins chat as, as we get into it. Yep. But so with that again, so that's those are our two guys for the the final wrap up for Stars of the Week: uh, Zach Granite and Matt Haig from the Rochester Red Wings. That does wrap it up for the. Uh, Talking Twins, Down on the Farm, Stars of the Week. So with that, we're going to take a short break. We'll come back after just a little 30 second, uh, seconds of music you guys will hear. And then we'll be back to sit down in the In the Dugout segment where we are going to recap the Minnesota Twins 2017 draft. We're going to talk a little bit more about that that conversation with Zach Granite, Eddie Rosario, and Robbie Grossman and what that means for the outfield in the second half of the season. We're also going to talk about the All-Star game. And right now, of course, Miguel Sano has a pretty steady lead at third base on the AL ballot. We're going to talk about are there any other twins that could possibly get their way into that game? And then some quick injury updates on a couple of pitchers that, you know, that have been starting their rehab assignments in, in the minor leagues. So with that, stick around. We'll be back after the very short break here on Talking Twins. This is Panda Pete from Twins and Losses Super Show, and you're listening to Talking Twins on the 4D Podcast Network. Back here on Talking Twins, and hope you liked and enjoyed the Down on the Farm uh, Stars of the Week segment. As always, we always love you guys to to give us feedback. If you thought somebody else should be a star, uh, you know, we didn't get the right star maybe for some reason, whatever, you guys can always give us that feedback. You can go out to the website at www.talkingtwinsbaseball.com. You can also uh, post it on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash Talking Twins. Or you can shoot us a tweet, 140 characters or less. You can do that with the handle at Talking Twins. And let us know if you thought somebody else was more deserving or, you know, why you didn't think one of our stars was, you know, right for, you know, being chosen, whatever it is. Give us that feedback. We love the interaction. We'll interact with you guys. You know, we love to hear it. And with that, we are in the in the dugout segment. And we talked about this we said this week we are going to recap the Minnesota Twins 2017 MLB draft. And we are going to go over, now I we're not going to go over in-depth all 35 rounds. I'm sorry, I actually had somebody ask. 40. Me, well, yeah, 40, but I just, I, I stopped at 35, but you're right, it is 40. 
And I had somebody ask, are you guys going to cover every pick, all 40? No. no I'm sorry. I, I don't the have first, the, the first, first two days. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have, we don't have a five-hour show because otherwise that's where Daryl and I would take this. I mean, it'd be, it'd be five hours of talking about a draft that took three days. So, no, we don't, excuse me, we don't have, you know, that the time to go over in-depth. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll point you guys to some resources as we get to the end of covering this. Yes. If you want to go look at the remaining, you know, picks after that. But we're going to cover basically, you know, you know, the main 15 or so, maybe, you know, maybe a little more here and there. But I'll, I'll point you guys to a couple of resources where you can go check out good recaps on all 40 rounds if you, you have the time and, and, and you want to do so just to brush up on it. So, <coughs> excuse me. So with that, let's get into it. And we look at the, the draft, and obviously we start with the first pick, which the Twins picked 1-1. They had the first pick overall in the draft. And I don't think anybody know, doesn't know by now who the Twins took. And that's, of course, Royce Lewis, the shortstop from J. Sarah uh, Catholic High School in Southern California. Now, and a lot of fans I know are, you know, and I got asked this last weekend at, at a couple of the games at Target Field. You know, Twins fans were, you know, was that the right move? Did they do the right thing? Why did they take oh, a picture? Oh, people were going crazy on Twitter, Brad, because they wanted not. Kyle Wright or a pitcher. And, you know, and I got, and I got asked this again. I mean, I got asked it on Friday evening. Um, I got asked it on Sunday afternoon at Target Field both times, different people. It wasn't the same person every time. But asking me, yeah, you know, did they make a mistake? Did they do it wrong? I'm, I'm going to say this, you know. I, I liked Kyle Wright. I thought Kyle Wright was going to be the guy. I mean, that was the guy that I thought they were going to take. I thought they had kind of shied away from Hunter Green a little bit. I kind of thought they had shied away from, from Brendan McKay a little bit, honestly, too. And as it, as it shook out there, if you heard what Tampa Bay said they're going to do with Brendan McKay, they're going to make him into a first baseman. So I guess maybe in that aspect, it, it shook out okay. Now, also the reports that the Twins threw an offer to Brendan McKay and he turned it down. And that was reported from multiple sources that McKay... Well, he turned it down because, like you said, he wanted to be a pitcher slash first baseman, or maybe a first baseman first, because when he was drafted, if you recall, Brad, they said Brendan McKay, first baseman. They didn't say Brendan McKay, pitcher. Tampa Bay already said when they drafted him third, they said, you're going to be... You know, we're drafting you. Because he signed for right around or a little bit less than what uh, Royce Lewis signed for. Correct. So it wasn't just the money. It was. It wasn't the money. It was that the they were looking at him as a pitcher first or pitcher only. Right, right. When the, the Twins mindset was. Yeah. I think the Twins nailed the draft, and I'll get to that here in a little but bit. I, I mean, I, I like, you know, you look at Royce Lewis, it's hard not to like the kid. I mean, he's a 2017 Gatorade Player of the Year in California. First team, 2017 Rawlings, perfect game All-American, um, rated the number one five prospect by MLB.com. So it's not like they, you know, and Baseball America. So not like they really like, you know, dropped way down the board. Now the questions I were, was asked was, well, what about you know Jorge Polanco, and then what about Nick Gordon in the organization? Well, you know what, the, you know the the Twins are looking at. They felt this was the best pure all-around talent they could get, and they don't know that, you know, number one, it's going to take Royce Lewis probably three to four years to move up. Three years minimum would minimum. be fast-tracking it. And, and they don't know that that Jorge is going to be the guy here in four years in terms of Jorge Polanco. 
They also still don't know if Nick Gordon is going to flourish all the way up to the organization. You can't just go, well, I've got one talent there, so I'm never, ever going to touch any other talent there. Well, Brad, for 20 years, shortstop has been the weakest link for for the Twins in the in the big league it, it, in the big leagues. It totally has, and and you can, and, and now it's a strength in the organization. But you can't just you can't go well because no. we've got one guy there that we drafted one you know or two a couple of years ago. You can't just go well. We'll never take anybody else at that position then until we find out if he doesn't make it or not. Because at that point, it's too late if that guy doesn't make it. Now you're back three, four more years, you know, trying to play that catch-up game. It, it doesn't – I, I try to tell – Well, the Twins also got an international uh, player, Wander Javier. Right. But I, who's I, their 15th-ranked prospect at shortstop, plus they drafted a top-10 pick that's a shortstop. But you know what? A shortstop can grow into – if you can play shortstop, you can play – uh, second or third. And you also just have to... If you have the arm, you can play third. Well, correct. And right? In fact, Royce Lewis has played third. He played third a fair amount of right. high school as well, besides shortstop. But you also just have to educate fans that you, you can't go well because we've got one top prospect in the organization. We're not going to draft anybody else at that position for the next five years. Especially when he's 18 years old and you're looking three years out. I mean, there's injuries, trades... So many things can happen. The factors are, are, yeah, like you said, they're paramount. And the way they did it, you know, I heard a lot of fans and I got a lot of emails and questions asked to me, Brad, about, well, are they being cheap? They got 14, they got 7.7 million to spend on the first round, uh, first overall pick, and they got over 14 million. Are they being cheap? No. And we're going to get to that as we go down this list here well, because they're being over a slot to get higher talent. Let's just jump to that now because, yeah, did they did they pay Royce Lewis top for the slot? No, they did not. But here's why they did because let's get into the they second. They paid him what he was worth where he would have been Correct. probably a top four, Correct. which is $6.75 million. But let's, let's get into why because the second pick – is a big, gigantic reason why they wanted to do this. This was their 35 pick in the first round. So this was the very end of it. They wanted this kid before, and he went back to school for his senior year, and that's Brent Rooker, first baseman outfielder from Mississippi State, 6'4", 220, a big kid, big kid. I mean, a sizable bat, good good fielder. Finalist for He was a finalist for the Dick Hauser Award, which is given to the top collegiate baseball player of the year. Ranked number 29 by MinorLeagueBall.com, number 50 overall prospect by MLB.com, and 64 by Baseball America. Why? He was a 2017 SEC Player of the Year and first team All SEC. After winning the conference Triple Crown, he hit 387 with 23 homers and 48 RBI. I'm going to give you a name, Daryl, and I'm going to see first if you know this. You know the last person to win the Triple Crown in the SEC was? Who's that? First baseman that played for the Texas Rangers and uh, Baltimore Orioles by the name of Rafael Palmero. Palmero, okay. That is the last guy to win the Triple Crown in the SEC. So some pretty damn, pretty damn good company you're keeping there. If the last guy that won it was a, you know, you know, several hundred home run hitting, you know, stud player that played a, a long career in the major leagues at, for a couple of good teams, and now Brent Rooker's right there. You know, hitting, like I said, 387, 23, and 48. He led the Division One overall in, in college baseball in doubles, 
slugging percentage and OPS. And the Twins actually drafted him last year in the 38th round. And he said, nope, I'm going back to college. Because he, he goes, I know if I, if I play my senior year, I'm going to be a first-round draft pick. Well, he signed a letter. He signed a letter saying that if you draft me again, I'll sign. Yep. Regardless of where you draft me. And, uh, but and, and here's the biggest thing. So first of all, Royce Lewis. Yes, he did sign. He is a Minnesota Twin. He'll probably go to GSL and then probably end up in Cedar Rapids, is my guess. And to your point, now get to Brent Rooker. Uh, he signed as well. He signed right on the money. Right on the money. Uh, for the $1.935 million. Uh, the big question is, there's not really a position for him right now, but that's okay. Uh, he's going to rake. If he rakes, he's going to push someone out of there. And Joe Maurer slash Baby Jesus, he's not going to be there forever. And it's good to have that competition. He's one of the older uh, college players to get drafted, selected yes, uh, at 23. And he's going to be a guy that we can count on. You want that youth. Now we own his rights. If you know baseball, uh, it's not just a couple of years. It's five-plus years. <laughs> so we're, we're going to have him in his prime. We're going to have him in his prime. And he's going to be a part of the future of this organization, whether he plays first, DH, you know, outfield, what, what have you. But that was a solid pick with that uh, comp pick in the first round. I thought that pick was, was flat out great. I mean, just, just you know, knowing the background of Rooker, I thought that pick was that, I mean. And he, and he pitched in one of the, in the SEC, and that's one of the hardest. You know, he slugged over 800, and he destroyed SEC pitching, and that's your hardest conference. I think, I mean, nothing against Royce Lewis, but I, I really think that the Rooker pick might be the the best over in terms of value and where they got a guy that they got in this draft. I mean, I just well, there's a reason why Jim Callis from MLB says the Twins had the group, the best draft he's seen, or at least for this year, it's the best draft he's seen. And I we're going to get through it as we go down the list here. But I think Rooker but those two picks yeah. were spot on. Well, and, and then we get to their their third pick, which is their their round two pick, number thirty seven, and that's Landon Leach, big kid out of, out of uh, Canada who's committed to Texas already. Uh, 6'4", 205, uh, ranked as a number one, or number 101, excuse me, not number one, number 101 prospect overall by MLB.com, uh, number 102 by MinorLeagueBall.com, and 118 by Baseball America, but he was a second-team 2017 Rawlings Perfect Game All-American, was the closer on the Canadian Junior National Team. He converted from catcher to pitcher in his 16U season, which is which is pretty impressive. Has, has hit 96 in his fastball. He's got a changeup and a slider to go to it. The kid doesn't even turn 18 for another couple of weeks yet. Um, you know, with, with this kid, a lot of it I know is, from the Twins' standpoint, is, you know, potential. It's the fact that he's 6'4", he's 205 now, he can fill out the frame a little bit if he learns. Well, that's baseball. That's baseball. You're projecting on what they can become. And that's a lot of it here. A lot and of we're it. here to educate you guys on, yep, and keep you guys updated on, okay, yep, projected on who they can become a year from now because they what a great pick or oh my gosh what a bus and we'll, right and now it looks like a solid pick and we'll talk about that as we get into round three they're 76 I love it. there's this yeah this kid i mean i i'm surprised he actually got to 76 and that's 
Blaine Enloe. Six and I'm not surprised. I, I really am, and here's why. And we'll, I'll talk about why I think he, well, I'm surprised he got down there. I mean, you know, the 6'3", 180 body size, you know, it might have scared, you know, a few teams away that, you know, they didn't, you know, thought a little, it should be a little bigger or whatever. But this was the number 28 prospect by minor league or by minorleagueball.com. He was the number 29 prospect by MLB.com and number 33 overall by Baseball America, although he was 27 back in May. This was the top high school prep prospect out of Louisiana. As a senior, he had a 101 ERA and 101 strikeouts in 69 and two-third innings. This kid was a first-team 2017 Rawlings Perfect Game All-American, had a 13-inning scoreless streak for the United States national team in October, helping them win a gold medal in the Pan Am Games. I mean, MLB.com even said that this kid might have the best breaking ball in the 2017 high school class. Not just MLB. There's ESPN. A lot of them say that he has the best curveball in the prep class. And that's why I was – and the other thing about him was signability. He's already signed a deal with the Twins. He's already – Well, he's got an agreement. Nope, he's got an agreement. Well, yeah, they, well, he's worked out a deal. They, they, I've heard I've heard words – Two million. Well, I've heard words that it's beyond uh, just an uh, agreement – that it's more basically already they're just finalizing terms, and it, it's basically a, it's a done deal. I mean, but, here, I, but here's why I said I don't – this is why I love the draft, Brad, is because they went and they took who they did with Royce Lewis and love the pick with uh, Brent Rooker. Now, with Royce, they, you know, they had – the Twins had $7.7 million allocated for that first overall – and they paid just a shade under a million dollars. So they saved a shade under a million dollars. They did right on the mark with uh, Brent. And they signed a couple other people under slot that uh, we're going to get to later. That money was saved for this reason exactly to get, I mean, he was a called, a quote-unquote, a tumbler guy. A lot of teams didn't grab him because they didn't think they were going to be able to sign him. The Twins, because of where they picked, number one, and because where they ended last season, obviously, they had the most money. They did the smart thing. They took a great player with Royce, saved the money, and got an excellent pitcher. And, and, and now they're going to be able to pay him what he wants so he doesn't go to LSU. And he's a hard commit, and they're going to have to pay way over slot, but I think it's worth it to pay him instead of the 770 or thereabouts to give him the $2 million or wherever it's at right now. We'll find out the exact numbers within a day or two when he does sign. No, I, I, I get that. I, I still just thought it was odd that no other team had that concept in mind to, you know, to try to get this kid. Well, I'm sure I'm sure other teams did that were in that top five that high that had the most money. It was I'm sure they had people on their board, and if they fell to them, and because we had the very first pick in the third round, and that's where he went, that very first pick. Because you and I were talking that second day, this draft is going to be really good if this guy's taken, and he was. And, and no one, and I'm blaming. Don't get me wrong. I am happy. As and I can't wait till he's signed because now I want to get him signed. Yep. Because he'll probably go to E-Town or GSL and eventually, I'm sure, just like Brios, because that's what he reminds me of, he'll be in uh, 
You'll be in Cedar Rapids this year and probably and next year for sure. And it, it got better in round four because with the 106 pick, the Twins drafted a left-hander, by the way. Enlo's a righty. Leach is a righty. Then the Twins grabbed a lefty by the name of Charlie Barnes, uh, uh, kid out of Clemson, uh, 6'1", 170, uh, ranked the number 108 prospect overall by Baseball America, so right around that area where the Twins got him, uh, 149 by MLB.com and 155 by MinorLeagueBall.com. But this is a kid that pitched three years at Clemson, a 3.85 ERA, not mind-blowing and wiping out with the ERA, but the I love the, the command uh, numbers, 220 strikeouts to just 54 walks. Yeah. And in 2017, he had a 3.53 ERA with, at a 2.46 opponent batting average against in 10 starts. Uh, people say his changeup is probably his 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 plus pitch right now. He's not a guy that's going to come in and you know he doesn't have that you know 95, 97, 98 fastball. But he's a guy that he's what they call that crafty pitcher. He's he definitely is that guy. He's a guy that at least know he knows how to actually you know pitch in a game, work in a game. You know, yeah, he's not a thrower, he's a pitcher. Exactly. So that's, you know, they're going to hope that with him, that experience, and, you know, you'd still like to see, you know, another pitch, whether it's maybe he also, you know, mix it, maybe a slider or a splitter, because if he's not going to be a, a blow-him-away guy, that is that is a guy that you hope that he, you know, one more pitch gets added to the arsenal so he can at least, you know, keep guys off balance, because up here that's what he, you know, if he gets... And with someone ball, like that, Brad, so because he is a, you know, because he's a senior pitcher... Is he going to be up within a year or two? Would you say? Not. I mean, he's he's a he's a he's a back end of the rotation type guy. So it'll probably start out in what Fort Myers. Yeah, I'd probably say that's that's not a stretch, Fort Myers. I mean, if he does Cedar Rapids, maybe it's just for a couple of weeks, and then he's Fort Myers. But I, I think, but he, if he's if he does well at in his professional you know debut, he could be in. He he should be an option anyhow. Uh, in 2018, I think he does have to have another another pitch in the arsenal, whether it's a slider or a curveball, something okay. else that he can that he can keep. Because if all he's got is yes, a great changeup and an okay fastball, that that that's 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 not going to be enough. I mean, let's just let's just be quite honest. That is that is not going to be. And then enough. then he's a reliever of some sort, right? Then it, that's and then it's and then it's not even a back end reliever. It's more kind of a you know, you know, six seven. Situational. Yeah, I I I would like to see them work with him and go hey. You know, you like to throw a good changeup. Can you also learn a good splitter or a slider? Something else where he'd at least have that ability to, you know, go, okay, I've only got an 88-mile-an-hour fastball. Here's how I can, you know, keep guys off balance. And, I mean, that there there are some good pitching coaches in this organization that he can hopefully work with to, to get there. But, I mean, obviously the, the kid's been a good talent at Clemson. I, I liked the pick. I thought they did good at that spot. Um, that gets us to round five, though, uh, their 136 pick. This one was interesting because I didn't think they were going to go there with this particular pick at when they did it. But, you know what, it, and I'll told it, it, you know, again, you know, like we talked about, guys don't end up at one position just because they're drafted there. But they drafted third baseman Andrew Bechtold, uh, 6'1", 195, uh, kid out of uh, uh, Juco uh, Junior College, uh, Chipola College. But he did put up some, you know, it, it, it's kind of hard because I'll, I'll say the numbers. I will also tell fans it's kind of hard to gauge. Uh, when guys put up numbers at, at junior college, because you don't really know, you know, the talent that they're facing against. You don't really know, you know. I mean, it's like, it's like, you know, when they when you rattle off kids' high school numbers, and you're like, yeah, but okay, if you played against a bunch of other high school kids, it sucked. I mean, you know, yeah, you could come out looking like you're, you know, you know, you know, 
RBI baseball video game numbers, but you don't really know, you know, how to gauge the talent they played against. At JUCO, he did uh, uh, bat 419 with uh, 12 homers, 24 RBIs, and 60 or uh, 12, 24. Excuse me, 419 of 12 homers, 24 steals, and 65 RBI in 60 games this year, this past season. That's still pretty nice. I mean, wherever you're doing it, to average over an RBI a game and hit 12 homers and 24 stolen bases. He did help lead Chipola uh, to the uh, Chipola to the Junior Co World Series game. He was ranked as a number 95 prospect by Baseball America, number seven, 117 by MinorLeagueBall.com, and 142 by MLB.com. Now, he originally did attend Maryland. So, originally, he was given a scholarship and played at Maryland and played for uh, two seasons. And then, for some reason, and I have not been able to find out why yet, he was then went back to JUCO, and he's an LSU commit. So, I'm like, okay, there's a lot going on there because you were at Maryland for a couple years. You're an LSU commit, but you're playing JUCO ball. Mm-hmm. You know what? Wow, what? There's a lot. There's a lot bouncing around there. You know what? What? What's the story and all that? And I haven't been able to find out all the story, and I'm still trying to look to see what what all that is. I mean, I like the potential this kid's got. Seems like he can hit the baseball a ton. One thing I haven't heard anything about him at all, Daryl. I mean, like that I can't find anywhere. How does this kid feel the baseball? I can't find any mention of how this kid played third base defensively. I mean, at all. It's like they either expunge the records or, you know, I don't I don't know. I mean, I cannot find any real background on this kid in terms of how he is as a defender. And I'd want to know that because I'm probably not going to make him my third baseman in the future because I've got this pretty good young kid over there named Miguel Sano. Well, yeah, if you're going to pay that kid uh, some money, and they're going to have to, they're gonna have uh, to. you know but you never know what's going to happen. That's why you always have to have depth. But I'd like to. I, and I'd he's like, a good. He's a good guy with a great arm. Uh, I think it's a solid pick. But I'd like to hear. And he's already agreed to a contract, so I'd like that's to, really uh, good. But I'd like to hear more, at least, about his his defensive prowess or what is, you know his, his defensive capabilities. I guess I would say. I thought that was a little interesting that that was not mentioned really at all in a lot of the scouting reports on him. It was all. Offense, 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 which is you know, which is great. I mean, everybody loves to hear the, the, the big bang numbers in terms of average homers, you know, RBIs. Those always, those always are the sexy numbers that everybody wants to hear about. But at some point, I want to know because okay, if I'm not going to play this kid at third, where am I going to play him? Is he going to be a corner outfielder? You know, I'm, I, I've got to kind of hear at least you know, and I guess you know that that'll be for our organization to determine. He will probably, I mean, not probably, even though he's a JUCO player. I still think he starts no higher than Cedar Rapids out of the gate, and from there. Out of the gate, yeah, you're right. He could, he could be a fast riser, though. He could be, and that, well, you know what? Tommy Watkins will. Tommy Watkins will figure that out because he'll he'll put him in situations. Well, we go to August when we go down to Cedar Rapids in August, we'll find out a lot of things. We might be talking to that gentleman right there, for example. You know, well, both exactly. those gentlemen, <laughs> told and uh, uh, Tommy Watkins. So that gets us to uh, our round six pick, which was only 30 picks later, 166. And that was the other one of their shortstops that Daryl mentioned earlier, Ricky De La Torre, uh, 6'2", 175 out of the Puerto Rico Baseball Academy. Uh, first team 2017 Rawlings Perfect Game All-American. Not a lot about him on statistics. And, and I think part of the reason they don't do that is because with the Puerto Rican League, or with the, you know, with the out of the Baseball Academy, it's it's really kind of you know you're throwing out those stats and it's like yeah this guy hit 650 well okay well that that's great 
But, you know, I mean, half the kids in that academy are going to be, you know, I don't want to say working on the assembly line somewhere, but, I mean, it, 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 I don't want to say that jokingly, but it really is kind of that way. So they don't throw a lot of the stats around. He was ranked number 110 by uh, minorleagueball.com, 180 by MLB.com, and 196 by Baseball America. Uh, one thing I have heard about him, though, that I've heard the twin scouts say, uh, super slick fielder. That, the you know, kids, kids smooth with the glove. That part of it's there. You know what? And I, I hate to say it, but it's kind of been that, that when the Twins have drafted shortstops before not counting Royce Lewis. I don't want everybody to start going, well, Royce Lewis. Roy, okay, not counting Royce Lewis. When the Twins have to sh- drafted shortstops in the last few years, it has been guys a smooth fielder. We don't know about the bat. You know, there's there's been a lot of those. I mean, even Nick Gordon was, you know, talked about as being, you know, speedster, smooth with the glove. Don't know about the offense. You know, I mean, Polanco might be the exception of that. Polanco was actually the other way. We know he's got a bat. We're not sure if he can catch the ball to save his life. Right. So it, it, it that's kind of been their way, and we'll see how De La Torre, he's probably going to be a definitely GSL, you know, out the gate and probably there in Elizabethton for a little while before we'll see how that plays out to him getting up to, to Cedar Rapids because I think there's going to be, they're going to want him down in the rookie league slash instructional leagues for a little bit. So they can kind of look at this kid. He's young. They're going to want to see what they have there. It's a raw talent. And, you know, you're not paying a ton to get a guy at round six. So it's not like, you know, for the Twins, it's not like they, you know, had to open up the checkbook and, you know, go broke on it. So that's, you know, it's fine. Uh, it does move them to round seven, though, pick 196. And this is a guy that we'll, we'll both talk about a little bit. And that's the lefty, Riley Whitell. Big kid out of Central Arizona College. And I know that the Twins were really happy to, to get him at round seven when they got him. 6 4 205. On 2017, he was 8 and 2 with a 1.82 ERA, a 179 batting average against, and 115 Ks to 39 walks in 95 and two thirds innings. Now, this kid, there were, there were a, a couple of teams that were interested in Waddell. I mean, ranked 187 by Baseball America, 190 by MLB.com and 197 by minorleagueball.com. So he's a North Carolina commit, but if you look at all you know, all three of those draft services said that the Twins got this guy at, at the right spot. And to get another lefty, you know, two good lefties by the seventh round, that, that never hurts at all. I mean, you know, your take on that. No, I think that's great, Brad. And, you know, it, you know the pitchers haven't signed except for, you know, we did get our fourth. You know, Charles Barnes, that he, he did sign. And he hasn't signed yet. Junior college ranked, though, that's great. He's got all the it stuff. You know, the big frame, the 6'4", 205 pounds. He's got the nice fastball, good curveball. He's got a lot of projectability with a good upside. Uh, you know, great changeup. If he signs, it's going to be great. I think it's a really good... Uh, acquisition. It's a good selection. Let's see what happens. Uh, they haven't agreed to terms yet, and they don't have an agreement on the table yet, but I think it's a really good selection, and it could end up being a good pick. Now, whether it's uh, he's a frontline starter, mid-rotation, or bullpen guy, we don't know. We're hoping that he's at least, at minimum, a uh, mid-rotation guy. Well, and we're halfway through because we're going to cover the top 15, so we're going we're gonna to kick it up for the last... 
the last half of that. So we're at number eight, which is their 226 pick for the Twins. That was the other left-hander, Brian Sammons, uh, 6'4", 225 out of Western Carolina. And in 2017, was 8-3 with one save, a 3.02 ERA, and 108 strikeouts in 104 and a third innings. Uh, had over 100 pitches in all 14 of his starts. So the one thing I like about that is this guy's a workhorse who's been able to, you know, go over 100 pitches. Hasn't been a problem for him. I'm not hearing that he immediately needs Tommy John surgery tomorrow, which is which is nice to hear. Now, a little higher rankings than, you know, you would think for that spot. Number 375 by Baseball America and 472 by MinorLeagueBall.com. But what I like is he has already played in the Cape Cod League, which is one of the summer leagues for, for collegiate athletes that they can play in, and at a 1-5-3 ERA in that league in 2016. So I think Salmons is an interesting prospect. We'll see how you know that works out there at round eight. Uh, round nine, which was pick 256, so just 30 later, the outfielder Mark Contreras from the University of California Riverside, uh, 6-0-185. Contreras definitely shown some offensive prowess as he batted 366 with a uh, 427 on base percentage and a 588 slugging percentage in 2017. He also tied the NCAA record of three triples in a game against San Diego State on April 25th of the season. So a guy that obviously has got some speed, you know, the ability to, to hit the ball to gaps, which – you know, if, if he ever makes it up the target field, pretty good thing for any player to be able to do, you know, is to utilize the the green grass and the gaps in that outfield to target field and, you know, turn singles and doubles and doubles into triples. That's, that's what we've been hoping ever since the day that they built that stadium and they, you know, laid the groundwork for it. We saw that outfield and went, yeah, man, that's what we want guys here that want to hit the balls in the gaps, you know, single, double, double, triple, and, you know, get guys in scoring position all the time. That's what this, you know stadium looked like so I, I like Contreras in in that spot now you get to round 10 30 picks later Daryl and another pitcher jobs in and that's right-hander Calvin Foucher from uh University of California Irvine so another guy from the the, uh, the state out there the Sunshine State in, in California uh 6 he had 20 saves in two seasons including 12 last year and 20 or the, in this past season 2017 finished with a 276 ERA and 92 K's um Ranked number 390 by Baseball America and 491 by MinorLeagueBall.com. Uh, no deal with him yet. You know, as you said, a lot of these guys, though, in terms of pitchers and later, you know, in these kind of mid to late round, you know, mid rounds, I should say, they don't have deals with yet. But these are guys that are, you know, I mean, these guys that are out of college, they're going to have to start, you know, looking at making deals soon because well, they have until July 15. So right, right. and and they're, they're going to want to start making some of these deals soon because the quicker they make a deal. It, well, a lot of things, Brad, is that, you know, they're going to wait till, like, you know, we, we, talk, we spoke about our our first two pitchers, uh, you know, with, with uh, Landon Leach and Blaine Enno. You know, they're, they're waiting. They're, their representatives are waiting because they're going to see how much is left. They know how much the Twins have left to spend. And, you know, they're... they're Yep, there's a lot of stuff coming out. There's a lot of stuff that's not coming out yet because they don't want to know how much is left because they can say, okay, yeah, okay, we agreed to a $2 million, like the Blaine Enslow, and that's what they did. They agreed on $2 million, which is way over slot, which is the highest the Twins would ever have paid over slot value. And But maybe he says, oh, wait, I want 2.1. And you got Leach that is not as good as a pitcher, 
projectability than Blaine. Uh, but maybe he wants a little bit more just to say, hey, if you're going to pay him that kind of money, I want a little bit more. Right, right. So the Twins are paying, and they have paid a lot of these guys that they've already signed under slot value so they can get the guys that they want, the talent that they need and want, uh, and have to pay over slot value. No, no, that's, I mean, that's and that's what we're going to see in the coming week ahead of us. That, that's a that's a that's a great point to bring up because that is what you know. This game is kind of a cat and mouse game in a sense when you're when you're doing. It's stuff. not about the Twins being cheap. I don't want any fan to think the chin the Twins are being cheap because they didn't take Hunter Green or Kyle Wright or whomever. It was because they thought they get the best talent and they could equalize and use that money to yeah. get. Correct. The best talent. Correct. So that's why, you know, when Brett and I were watching this draft together, and I saw Royce, I, I wasn't impressed right away. But then I saw the next couple picks, I was extremely, and I think I, and I, I will speak for Brad, we were both extremely impressed now that to sign them. Well, cause but the, 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 the what, I, I, I liked the way that he did this. Because it was a smart, analytical way of doing this draft. Well, that's just it. The, the strategy started to lay out some more once you saw right. what they were doing there. You went, okay, you, you could start to see the wheels. You could start to have the wheels turn a little bit and go, well, okay, now I'm starting to see what the strategy concept is behind why this well, was It was done. Monday night, and Leach is the last pick before, okay, it's time to go to bed. I'm just going to, okay, I guess I'll comment that in the morning. Right. You, you, then you wake up, and the next day starts, and you get uh, a very, very good uh, a pitcher in Blaine Enloe. Uh, you know, you can't really, you can't, I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, I agree 100%. So I think that's what we're trying to say is, you know, Part of it's there's obviously the the cat and mouse game with the agents and the and the club playing back and forth, and part of it's the club strategy. And we have to take this money and we have to move it through this draft and spread it out. And we want to get the best overall quality of talent in the whole draft that that we can get. And I think when you look at like getting like I said, getting Enloe, getting Leach, Rooker. I mean they you know, and then Royce Lewis still they they overall. And that's why a number of experts have said the Twins had the best draft out of any team in Major League Baseball. And with that, let's get to number 11 because we got four more rounds to real quickly shoot through here before we wrap up the, the draft recap. And number 11 was the outfielder at pick 316, Gabriel Rodriguez, 6'1", 193 from uh, Adela Roll. Uh, I want to butcher this. Poor, I'm sorry, Gabriel, but Adela Roland Fuentes uh, from Puerto Rico, a uh, high school player from Puerto Rico. Ranked 329 by Major League Base, or by MinorLeagueBall.com, 407 by Baseball America, honorable mention, uh, 2017 Rawlings Perfect Game All American. Uh, I'm going to be surprised if they sign this kid because he's already a commit to Florida International, and I think, you know, some of these kids when you start to get past round 10, their representation starts going. Well, if you go to college, and you, know, you play a couple years and you put up some numbers. You're going to come back, and you're going to be, you know, round five, round six, maybe even better. And, you know, some of these kids, when they're in high school, they listen to these agents, Daryl. They listen to these these representatives. Oh, yeah. They start, oh, okay. Yeah, he knows who he's talking about. Well, no, that agent's going, the higher I can get your ass in the draft, the bigger my cut is. It's it's not like this agent really gives a damn about the kid. It's that the agent, you know, the representation's going, 
the higher we can get your ass to sign for, the more I'm going to get paid. I mean, that, that's what it really comes down to. But yet they'll put the arm on the shoulder and make the kid feel like they're their damn uncle and they, you know, they really care about him. I just have a – I'll be surprised if the Twins are able, able to sign, like, for example, Gabriel Rodriguez. I really think that he'll probably go play at Florida National for a year or two and kind of test the, the waters and, you know, see where it goes from there. I don't, I don't think the Twins even signed him this year. I don't think he ends up, you know, penning a contract with, with, with the Twins in, in 2017. Um, round 12, this one was a this one was a, a interesting pick, number 346, 30, 30 later, when they got the right-hander Billy Ober, 6'7", big tall kid. I mean, he kind of has some Aaron Sleegers reminding you a little bit in terms of that height. 190 uh, weight out of the Carl, College of Charleston. He was the number 241-ranked prospect by MinorLeagueBall.com. So, you know, by their standards, the Twins got him 100, you know, spots later than they should have. Uh, 300 by Baseball America. He went 24-9 and with a 291 ERA and 254 strikeouts in 259 innings in his collegiate career. He was actually drafted by the Dodgers in the 26th round last year. But he Gotta had, hate the Dodgers. <laughs> well, we all do here in Minnesota, but he missed his 2015 season due to Tommy John surgery and then also missed a month this past year with back injury. Now, in 2014, he was in, in his conference, was named the, the freshman pitcher of the year. It's obviously the, the one takeaway from there that jumps right out at me is injury. He's already had Tommy John. He also had back injury th- this past year. Is is this something that, you know, uh, have the Twins, you know, the Twins, have they already done their due diligence from a medical standpoint? If not, um, is that the next thing that's going to be up before they sign this kid to a contract is that their medical staff is going to go, well, huh, we, we want to, you know, we want to look at this kid up and down before, you know, Derek and Thad get to drop a pen on a piece of paper and go, you know, you're, you know, sign here. I, I think so. I mean, I think when you look at the fact that the kids already had Tommy John and a back injury, I sure as heck want to see him medically checked out up and down. I mean, I know you're not giving heck him, yeah. I know you're not giving him a lot of money at round twelve, but still, I mean, well, it's about ten grand. Yeah, I mean, I still would rather you know at least know what I've got in there. Now, round thirteen, which is uh, thirty picks later at three seventy six, was an outfielder, uh, Jared Atkins, six three one ninety five out of Fresno State. Um, hit 328 with 11 homers as a junior in 2017. His 23 doubles were 10th most in a single season in, in, in school history. Also played at Glendale Community College in 2016. What I like there is that he made the jump from playing at a, a community college up to Fresno State in one year. And in that one year, you know, it didn't seem like it, it put his offensive numbers back at all. So in 2016, he's playing at a community college. In 2017, he's playing at Fresno State, and he hits 328 with 11 homers and 23 doubles. Uh, I, I like that. I mean, I'd like to at least get this kid in the system. You know, probably a little bit of I I, I got to start him at Elizabethton. You know, he's got to, you know, yep. they, they can sign him. He can play down there a little bit. And, you know, if you show the way, we can get you to Cedar Rapids, and we'll go from there. Uh, so that's our last two picks that we'll talk about. We'll clear out our 15 rounds. Uh, round 14, another pitcher at 406. That was Derek Molina from Merced College. Um, one thing I thought was interesting is the only, uh, bio or kind of like, you know, capsule that they gave on this kid as a pitcher was his offensive statistics. 
I mean, typically I don't see that. Okay, you get the capsule on the right-handed pitcher out of Merced College. But he hit 356 with 40 runs, scored 36 RBI and 11 steals in 42 games. Well, what about his what about his pitching numbers since he was drafted as a right-handed relief pitcher? Yeah, what one that can one that can also come off the bench and be a uh, you know a, a hey Madison Baumgartner. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, except for we're in the American League, so we don't ever hit. But you know. right. And finally, uh, round fifteen will stop. You know, as we said, we'll stop there, and I'll, then I'll give you guys the some of the links where you can go to get you know the rest of the coverage. Uh, pick number four thirty six, and that was a right hander, Ricky Ramirez, also out of Fresno State, played with Jared Atkins over there in Fresno State, six oh one sixty. So a smaller guy in terms of weight, you know, got some room to put on that frame. Um, I don't like the numbers. I mean, you know, nineteen games with thirteen starts at a five thirty ERA. That's that, that's not really making me jump out of the you know out of the chair go, yeah, get him to, you know, get him to Cedar Rapids tomorrow. Um, he, in, in 2016, he was second-team All-Mountain West and had a 0-4-5 ERA with four saves in conference play. Um, again, a number of guy where, like you mentioned, probably less than $10,000 to sign him. Um, you know, we'll see how that plays out. That's the top 15. If you, if you want to go look to get a, a good recap, Daryl mentioned uh, Jim Callis from MLB.com. Go Google that. It's a great, uh, great recap on the draft overall. Also, uh, Fox Sports uh, did a pretty good one as well. If you search on Fox Sports for Minnesota Twins 2017 MLB draft pick capsules, you'll get a, a very good kind of breakdown of all 40 of their picks. What they've got. Or if you go to twinsdaily.com, uh, Jeremy Nygaard does yes. a really good uh, draft recap. Well, I was saving him for last because I always save the best for last. So. Well, there you go. Yeah, go so, ahead. So, no, I was just going to say, definitely the other option is definitely go check out TwinsDaily.com, as Daryl mentioned. Jeremy Nygaard has also done some excellent uh, draft coverage. Also, Nick Nelson out there. Uh, a couple of the guys have also helped out. Jeremy. A lot of the boys out there yeah. are really uh, in tune with the, the draft. And they do have a, a really good draft article. So, if you go out to Twins Daily and search for uh, MLB Draft, they have a very good draft article that will give you the Twins full breakdown on the, the 40 picks as well. And if you follow uh, Jeremy Nygaard, uh, you'll get the updated uh, signing as yeah. well. Yes, and that Twitter handle is at Jeremy Nygaard, which is at Jeremy, so it's at J-E-R-E-M-Y-N-Y-G-A-A-R-D, at Jeremy Nygaard. So if you're, not, if you're following us, you're listening to us, and you're not following Jeremy already, definitely go out. And you also should follow at Twins Daily as well. But then also follow at Jeremy Nygaard, and you'll be getting the latest updates as these guys sign. Jeremy's on top of it. He's keeping you guys up abreast and all that stuff. So, you know, definitely follow those guys as well as us at Talking Twins, and you'll be kept up on all these different players signing and so forth. So that, that wraps up the, uh, the aspect of, of the covering of the 2017 draft. We're going to move back to the, the major league level here in the dugout. And going to talk about uh, something that's fun coming up here in a couple weeks, and that's the 2017 All-Star Game. It's creeping up on us already quick as it's uh, taping tonight is uh, June 21st. That's kind of crazy that it's already time for that. I'm telling you, man. Isn't it? It's scary. I know. It's like, where where is this, like, spring, summer? Especially here in Minnesota. I know. When the All-Star break means, okay, that's summer. I don't want snow yet. I don't either. I, I don't either. I really don't. And it, the All-Star game is already on July 11th, so it's, I mean, it, it literally, in fact, this is Wednesday. It's three weeks from yesterday is the All-Star game. So it's, already, it's already how quick it's, it's coming up. 
And the, the Twins, of course, have one spot that looks like it's going to be a lockdown that they're going to have a starter in the 2017 All-Star game. And that is, of course, Minnesota's very own Miguel Sano, who in the latest update on the balloting as of this as of today, as of this afternoon, actually, when I when I looked at this at, at 2 o'clock, uh, which was released, it was released yesterday, but they posted it today because that's they don't do it live updating. They don't keep the votes live as, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to do that because fans are, you know, voting online. They're voting, you know, all kind of different ways. But in the fourth update, which was released on Tuesday, Sano is the top vote getter at third base with 1.3 million, actually 1,302,090 votes. Uh, Jose Ramirez is second with the Indians, and he's at 891,731 votes. I mean, he's he's over 400,000 votes behind Sano. Uh, Josh Donaldson from Toronto is third at 810,648. Uh, Manny, uh, Manny Machado of the Baltimore Orioles is fourth at 803,921. And then Houston's Alex Bregman is at 688,450. So when you look at it right now, Miguel Sano, I mean, is is starting to kind of run away with this you know, spot of starting at third base in the 2017 All-Star game. I mean, he's paced, you know, he's been running the AL at third base ever since the first official update. He has team best 16 homers, 48 RBIs, 559 slugging percentage. Per fan graphs, his uh, WRC plus, which for a lot of our Sabre metric fans know that that's the weighted runs created, of 147 is the 17th best mark in all of baseball. And Sano has also been MLB's hardest hitter this season with an average exit velocity of 96 miles an hour. God, I, I never would want to play in on that guy in the grass at third base when he would turn on a ball and <laughs> rip it down the down the left field line because I'd be uh, praying for my life. Um, as we as we, we can say, Daryl and I, if you're you know obviously you're Twins fans, if you're listening, please keep voting. Just because somebody's in the lead, not that we don't think he's going to win, but keep voting you can go out to mlb.com you can go out to twins well and even at target field if you uh if you vote five times they have an area where you vote online yeah. five times and you get a sano uh uh the little icy thing yeah yeah ex- exactly yep yeah yeah so you they, i mean they're doing things Do and, that and and that's fantastic i mean just keep voting because he deserves it and come on everybody you've got us i mean i mean I'd say probably 90% of our listeners. A Sano Cone, that's what it is. Sano yeah, Cone. Sano Cone, yep. And, and so if you're at Target Field, do that, and you get a free Sano Cone. And also for our listeners, i got to believe at least, like, what, 75% of you or more have smartphones. And, I mean, come on. You can vote on, you know, you can vote online. You can use the MLB.com at Bad App. You can use the at um, the Ballpark app. You can vote up to five times in a 24-hour period, up to 35 ballots. So just keep voting. You know, Sano should be the third baseman in this all-star game. He is the best third baseman in the league right now in terms of, you know, the offensive numbers. This guy should be the guy in the game. You know, keep – so just keep voting. Um, the The announcement will come the, the weekend before, and then also you'll have the fact that we'll see that, that final vote come around again, you know, where they have the five guys that get that kind of like, you know, final last chance vote. I don't know that any twins are going to really be in that shot at all. Um, Daryl and I we're going to we're going to talk about this a little bit. We think that there's a chance that there could be some pitching because remember the managers choose the staff, 
Um, obviously, Big E. Big E's got a pretty good chance in Irvin Santana of of getting a grab of being you know taken by somebody. I mean, he's had some pretty good numbers, two shutouts already. Um, you know, he's got a pretty good chance of a manager grabbing him. Barrios, um, and, and, and this is where I know Daryl's going to jump in because we talked about this you know, a little bit in our pre-show meeting. You know, Brios has a chance. Uh, what happens in the next couple of starts leading up to that is going to kind of, you know, make or break that for him. If it was me, and, and I'll let Daryl take, you know, jump in with his, his feedback here, I think if it's me, I'm betting it's Miguel Sanal, Irvin Santana. Those are the two twins in the, in the 2017 All-Star game. Oh, I can't disagree with that at all. Uh, you know, if Brios can close out tonight's game uh, against uh, the White Sox and can have a quality start and have a really good game against uh, Boston Red Sox, then I could see him possibly. But it's going to be tough. I mean, he doesn't have the innings pitched. He's a starting pitcher. Uh does he deserve it? Possibly, maybe. Uh, he just got out of this inning. He's about to have eight innings pitched. He does have eight, eight innings pitched tonight, Brad. Four only four hits allowed. I mean, it's four hits it's allowed. Yeah. Two runs. No, he does it. Two runs. Okay, yeah, that's fine. But he's got a lot of good, a lot of strikeouts. So he's got another great quality start, and he's looking like the ace that everyone thought he was going to be, the pitcher of the future for the Twins. And for that reason, he could be. I'm not saying he's going to be. No, but it's interesting. I mean, it's But I think he's uh, in the discussion, especially at tonight's start. I think if he has one more start like this, oh. then I think he's going to be in it. If he has a start like this tonight in Boston, then, yes, he is. A, I think he does make the team. I think he definitely Because does. then he'll be, it'll be on Bleacher Report or whatever. Oh, all-star snubs, you know, who doesn't get in? Well, and, uh, But there's also, you know, you got to remember, there's a lot of pitchers that don't uh, participate because of when they pitch. Right, right. Because they don't, and a lot, I mean, that's why it's not just fan voting. It's managers voting on the pitchers because they don't want certain players in. Well, correct, exactly. Based on when, and correct. if they are, correct. okay, Chris Sale, for example, is going to be the starter for the AL for Boston, as much as we hate him because he's from Boston and from formerly from Chicago, uh, he's going to be the starter, and, and deservingly so. But it's going to depend on when he pitches in the rotation, when he's set up, is how many innings or maybe only a batter. He might only get a batter. And that's why they're going to look at Okay, where in the rotation is everybody set? No, I mean I fully agree with that, and I think you're right. I mean, obviously it's going to be a lot. It's going to make the conversation a lot more interesting. If you know Brios, obviously looks. Well, it looks like the A. It's going to be it for him tonight. I don't. I, I'm pretty pretty sure that they're going to run Brandon Kinsler out for the ninth inning and try to close that game out, and get that win because right there they're going to win the series with Chicago and look for the sweep. So, um, I, 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 yeah. I mean, obviously if he goes to Boston and drops another game like this, it's it's sure going to it's sure going to make it interesting for the you know the AL manager and the, and the and the coaching staff to look at and go well you know I mean man maybe we you know maybe we do take them both now obviously it's also going to matter when Biggie and uh, Brios are scheduled to line up to pitch 
for the Twins coming around that series because they, exactly. have, they have a they have a big series with Baltimore before the All Star game, and then they go back on the road right after the All Star game. So that's going to be you know that's going to be probably you know big as well. So you know things to look at as we and we'll we have one more show before the All Star game. So we'll obviously you know in fact that next show by then the All Star lineups will be set. So then in our next show two weeks from tonight we'll actually go over the the All Star uh, rosters and we'll talk about what Twins made it. Um, if there was any snubs that didn't happen, and we'll kind of cover that a little further. So as we wrap up in the dugout, we're going to wrap it up with just a little bit of injury talk and a couple of pitchers that we've been, you know, talking about and wondering when we were going to start to see some progress on them, and that is uh, Phil Hughes and Hector Santiago. Uh, now, Phil Hughes, uh, they're, they're both in Rochester right now, actually, which is kind of interesting, but... Uh, Phil Hughes is slated to begin the next step of his rehab with, uh, well, today actually he, he showed up in Rochester, but it's not going to be in a starting role. Uh, Phil Hughes is going to start pitching one-inning stints for the Red Wings in relief. And Mol- uh, Paul Molitor said that they could even have uh, Hughes pitching uh, consecutive one-inning stints uh, out of the bullpen over the weekend, depending on how he feels after pitching uh, tonight in, in uh, Rochester. And right now, Molitor says he thinks he feels better. He feels good in the shorter stints. And they're not totally sure how long these outings are going to be. And for right now, it looks like they're going to run Hughes out of the bullpen. Now, it's something he hasn't done for a while. I think it's been five years since he was in uh, New York when he had last pitched out of the bullpen. But right now, that's that's the best route for him coming back up here because he does not right now, he could not pitch, you know, six innings, you know, anything you know around that realm at all and so if he's got a chance to get back up here it's going to be as kind of a uh you know situation guy spot use in the bullpen guy they've needed it um if you look at the the twins bullpen it's a 5-3-0 era across 236 innings entering tuesday and the relievers 18.2 percent strikeout rate the lowest in the major leagues while the bullpen's also given up the third highest batting average 268 so if Hughes could come back and be a one-inning guy, right now somebody's probably going to get sent back to Rochester, and it's going to be a spot where it's going to, you know, where it's going to work out. They're going to have to see how he he does, obviously, down to Rochester over the next week or so, and that's when the Twins will will make that decision. Now, speaking of Rochester, uh, Hector Santiago looks like he's coming back off the DL pretty soon. Um, he actually uh, started again uh, for the Red Wings on Wednesday. They had him on a 60-pitch limit uh, from all indications that i saw actually this evening he looked pretty good you know, he looked solid you know everything you know went well they they liked what they saw out of him um they're the the club is going to look at that um you know molitor said that they're going to look at the video they're going to they're going to take a, a a feedback you know some feedback from obviously the the coaching and managing staff down in rochester look at that overall and and see what they thought out of it I think it to me what it sounds like is Hector's going to get one more start in Rochester, and they'll probably amp up the pitch limit from 60 to say 80, and from there if it if it rocks and rolls, you know Hector Santiago is probably going to be um, on his way back up to Minneapolis and you know ready to to, to pitch with the Twins again. So um, with that, that's pretty much right now. There's no other further news on Glenn Perkins yet. Um, that's you know that's still a little ways off, and that's pretty much the the extent of the injury news for the Twins. So with that, that wraps up uh, in the dugout. And that means, of course, that also wraps up another episode of Talking Twins. 
So with that, I always remember Talking Twins is uh, recorded at First Pitch Studios and is part of the 4D Podcast Network. And as always, your hosts are Daryl Yates and myself, Bradley Swanson. Remember, again, you can check us out on the web at www.talkingtwinsbaseball.com. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Talking Twins. And we're on Twitter, of course, with the handle of at Talking Twins. So with that, guys, we'll be back with you in a couple of weeks as we will break down the 2017 All-Star, MLB All-Star rosters. We'll talk about where the Twins are at in terms of the buyer-seller race as we get closer to the All-Star break. And, of course, we'll always have for you the Down on the Farm Stars of the Week. So until then, for Daryl, this is Bradley. Thank you guys for joining us, and we will talk to you next time here on Talking Twins. Talking baseball in Minnesota.